Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod in our series on the habits of happiness. We're going through the book of Philippians verse by verse to see that God not only desires us to be in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, but that he also wants us to have unceasing, unending joy or happiness. Now, what's the path of happiness? We think it's to start with getting a good life, getting an education, a good job, having a family, lots of money. But what do you do out there with all the people that have all these things and yet aren't happy? The Bible gives us a completely different path or way of happiness in one word, humility. Wait, now how does that make any sense? How in the world would humility make me happy? See, there's many reasons why humility is the key that unlocks true happiness and why pride is the thing that guarantees unhappiness in your life. One of the big problems that suck joy or happiness out of your life is conflict. You can have money, power, family, but if conflict comes in, happiness leaves faster than you realize. The Bible tells us that the habit of humility is the key to reducing conflict in your life because pride is the thing that causes conflict. Proverbs 13.10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. Strife is an argument, a conflict. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 11 tells us, it first says in the first couple of verses that harmony creates happiness and that happiness comes from harmony. Then we learn in the next few verses that humility creates harmony And in the last verses, it talks about how Jesus modeled both. So let's read to see if you can pick up on these themes, the four kinds of harmony, the four keys of humility, and the three examples of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him in the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is a powerful passage. And it talks about how in humility leads to harmony and harmony leads to happiness. Philippians 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Now, here we have the basics of the path of happiness. It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the phrase united with Christ. United with Christ is like a shorthand or another way of saying for being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, one who's turned their life over to God and put him first. It's someone who believes that they can't be reconciled with God on their own. They need outside intervention. They need Jesus to pay the penalty for their sins on the cross. 
and they trust in what Jesus did and believe in his mercy and grace. So now they turn their life over to God and live for him and are adopted into God's family as children and the Holy Spirit now lives inside of them. They have a purpose for living to serve God by serving others, which is all humility, truly seeing ourselves as we really are in desperate need of a savior and the fact that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to meet that greatest need. That is where that path of hum happiness begins with humility. So first Paul says that the God's model for relationships or for your friendships, for your marriage, for any relationship is four kinds of harmony. Verse two, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit, and of one mind. There you have it. There's the four kinds of harmony. Let me just spell it out. He says, first you have the same mind. That's mental harmony. You're united in thinking. Then he says, I want you to share the same love. That's emotional harmony. He says, I want you to be united in spirit. That's spiritual harmony. And he says, I want you to be intent on one purpose. That's directional harmony. Now, can you imagine having a relationship, a marriage that has all four of those, that's a great marriage. Sadly, that's not what happens in our society. Maybe you have three out of the four. I mean, think about it. And it's not that bad having three out of the four, but man, if you have four out of four, that's the harmony that God wants for us in our relationships. Think about it. Spiritual harmony. So say, one person is a Protestant while the other is a Catholic. Well, they don't have the same spiritual harmony. They don't have the same essential beliefs. I mean, they're close, but they're not the same. And so that's going to mess up the directional harmony because decisions that they make are going to be different. And then you're not going to be of the same mind. <laughs> so they're all kind of connected. If you're the same mind, but but emotionally you're kind of off, then you're gonna have problems there as well. So they're all kind of related. And that's the difficulty is that when you struggle with one out of the four, then it's gonna unravel. You're not gonna be great. And on top of that, we have busy schedules. We run around with our heads cut off. We deal with kids yelling at each other, dealing with frustrations, all of which cause conflict. I mean, think about it, marriage is essentially you take one selfish person, add in another selfish person, make them live together in each of their selfishness. So if they don't have humility, what's going to happen? It's going to have problems. And then they have kids. And then you add people who are 100% selfish. Even when the husband and wife are trying not to put the others first and be humble, then you have kids come in and it can cause all kinds of conflict. Now, I don't know what kind of conflict you're going through right now, but odds are we, you're going to have conflict in a relationship. And if you've ever gotten tired of the conflicts, we're going to look at how to reduce that conflict with others. And this is how to have more harmony and have more happiness in your relationships. When there aren't that many really successful relationships in the world, are there? I mean, think about the divorce rate. Why? You know, give me five strong marriages in your life. I... I can name two or three. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, how many times have you seen people get married and after 20 years they get divorced? I mean, that's what happened with my parents. They got divorced after 22 years. You're like, how does that happen? I mean, I've been married for 25 years and there's 
people out there who've been married longer than me and then get divorced. I don't get it. But it's one of those harmonies. If they don't have the harmony, it's not going to work. You know, why don't marriage last? Why aren't people good at having relationships in this world? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, because we don't follow what God tells us to do. And what God tells us to do is the exact opposite of what our culture tells us to do. I mean, think about it. What we look for in a spouse versus what God says to look for. To me, the most important harmony is spiritual harmony because that one is the basis for directions. It'll affect your emotional and mental more than all the others. But what do we look for first? We look for looks. We look for that emotional harmony first. That's what we look for. And instead, we should look for a spiritual harmony. Then all the others come in. That's what God tells us to look for. Second, because of what the passage talks about isn't natural. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. Because we naturally want to indulge ourselves. And God says, no, 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 that's not the right way of happiness. It's not indulging yourself. It's not seeking out happiness. It's seeking out humility. Third, this is the difficult part. If you try to do this, I know for a fact that this week you will be tested on it. So I'm just warning you, get ready. If you're going to have an opportunity to have some conflict this week, and God's going to give you the opportunity to practice these four habits of humble happiness. So how can we reduce conflict in our lives? How can we go in the way of happiness? Well, let's look at those four habits that we need to practice. Number one, never let pride be my guide. Never let pride be my guide. Pride is at the root of every other sin in your life. Pride is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Every conflict that you go through has an element of pride mixed in it. It's all about us, or me, or I. It's all about the I. And I think we all know this, but it becomes crystal clear when you start to live together with someone. Or if you have kids, especially when they become teenagers. I mean, think about it. Babies, as soon as they're born, they don't care about you. They don't care about that you need sleep. They're like, I'm hungry. Wah! Change me. Wah! Something is uncomfortable. Wah! It doesn't go away with age either. For teenagers, they are at the center of their own universe. And all the parents' decisions must be about them. And everything a parent does must be designed for the teenager. That drives me nuts. Whether it's food for dinner, plans for the weekend, stuff placed around your house, you name it, it's all about them. And I have three teenagers at home right now. And it's something. When my wife is in the middle of her day at work, sometimes the kids will call her and just ask her some non-emergency question that can wait. But it can't wait for them because they're at the center of the world. While they're even supposed to be in school, they text her and they don't get a reply immediately. Well, she doesn't answer their texts back because she's working. She's having a meeting. She's meeting her boss, whatever. She can't answer your question. But that doesn't make sense to them. It's all about the I. We are at the center of our own universe. In our society, we reward narcissism. Think about it. The most arrogant athletes, the most arrogant, self-centered celebrities the most self-centered entertainers are the ones we pay the most money to the ones we pay the most attention to it's the way our society works so this is totally counterculture 
because today the people with the biggest egos get the biggest money and they get the most press. Just look up the most search people on the internet. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Selfish ambition is saying, it's all about me. It's all about my needs, my wants, my fears, my success, my career. And vain conceit means I'm always right. So when you have those two attitudes, it's all about me and I'm always right. Selfish ambition says it's all about my needs. It's all about my wants. It's all about my fears. It's all about my success. It's all about my career. Me, me, me. So we know people who walked out of marriages because the marriage was standing in the way of their career. We know that sometimes boyfriends choose girlfriends and vice versa simply because of the image it gives them. They don't really care about them. They're eye candy. It's not about the relationships. It's all about me. And they're not really caring about the relationship because they care about themselves. The Bible says it's selfish ambition that causes all kinds of problems. James 3.16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. When you find confusion at your workplace, confusion in the office, you can know that selfish ambition and jealousy are causing it. When you find confusion in your home, you can know that selfishness is causing it. You ever wonder why celebrity marriages don't last? It seems like the length of marriage is in direct proportion difference to the size of the ring or the amount of money spent on the wedding. The more you spend on the wedding, the shorter the marriage is going to be. $25 million wedding, you're going to last a couple months. Why? Why is it that celebrities can't seem to stay committed in a marriage? Because of this, because of vain conceit. I mean, think about it this way. You're a celebrity. You have millions of adoring fans jumping on everything you say, applauding everything you do, and treating you like a god. And when you have millions of people treating you like a god, guess what? Pretty soon you're going to start thinking you're a god. The only person who doesn't think about that you're a god is your spouse because she knows you have body odor. You snore. You fart. <laughs> you have all kinds of irritating habits. So when a celebrity marries somebody and everyone else is adoring them unquestionably, and all of a sudden the husband or wife isn't like, you know, they go, what's wrong with you? Because all of a sudden they're thinking they're, you're God's gift to the world. And the problem is you lost touch with reality. So then what do they do? Well, they get a new wife or they get a new husband. Galatians 5, 19 and 20 in New Century Version says, our self-indulgent nature shows itself. How? In conflict, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, causing divisions among people and the feelings that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group. Paul says if you're going to have happiness, you got to have harmony. And if you're going to have harmony, you got to have humility. So you never let pride be your guide. Having harmony in a house with three teenagers isn't easy. Especially now that my daughter number two is being taught by me how to drive. I just got done with the first one. And already number two. Teaching a teenager how to drive isn't easy. My oldest Victoria was very nervous and hesitant as she learned how to drive. To press on the accelerator. So she drove real slow. She was lacking confidence. Not anymore. She's a pretty good driver with 18 months experience. And we just got her a car this week. Oh boy. Insurance went up. But we got a car. 
Hopefully it'll last. Hopefully it's the right decision. Who knows? And I hope she doesn't wreck it. But she's a pretty good driver. Now my middle daughter comes along. Adriana, she doesn't have that problem. She oozes confidence. To put it bluntly, she is downright cocky. So we headed out to that initial parking lot where I taught my first one how to drive and I'm teaching Adriana too. And there is no hesitation. And this is exactly the opposite of my first teaching experience. She does pretty well for her first time, but I can tell that she doesn't have a clue as to what she is doing. But she is full of pride thinking that she did a lot better than she actually did. And it reminds me of me. Isn't that a mess when you're a parent you look at your kid and when they do something really stupid or say something, you're like, wow, that's me. <laughs> so when she was driving, all I could think about was me. It reminded me of me when I was learning how to drive a stick or manual. I was 15, learning from my best friend in the parking lot on his uncle's car. I was doing really well and I was full of myself, full of pride and talking smack. And I told him, I was like, this isn't hard. Shifting, no problem. And he just shook his head. He said, oh, you think you can drive stick after 30 minutes of running in a flat parking lot, do you? It's not that hard, is it? I said to him, you're a good teacher. He just rolled his eyes at me. And I could tell he was disappointed in what I was saying. So then we left and we were talking. And he went to my our neighborhood into the steepest hill I have ever seen. He got out and told me to get in the driver's seat. He said, go on, go up the hill. And after 10 feet, he said, stop, start again. And the car would roll back and trying to get it into first gear without riding the clutch, without stalling, without grinding the gears. That wasn't easy. My pride shattered instantly. We spent a lot of time on that hill over several days before he finally said, okay, you barely pass. <laughs> Never let pride in. Never let it be your guide because then it's all about you and it'll destroy your happiness. I'll say it again, just as Paul said, if you're going to have happiness, you got to have harmony. And if you're going to have harmony, you got to have humility. So never let pride be your guide. That is the very first habit to reduce conflict in our lives. So you look at your marriage, you look at the relationships around you. And if you're prideful, if you don't put others first, if you don't see yourself honestly for who you are, a sinner saved by grace, if you don't see yourself as someone who is deeply flawed, yet deeply loved, you know what? You're going to be excelling with pride and you're not going to be happy. So you want to reduce conflict in your lives. That is the first habit. Never let pride be your guide. And I guess we're going to have to stop there. I think this is a good point because we have three more habits to reduce conflict. I don't think I can get through all of them quickly. So this week, look to see areas in your life where there's conflict and examine yourself to see if there's any pride adding on to that conflict. Odds are where there is conflict, there is pride. That's how it is in my marriage. Whenever I fight with my wife, it's because of pride. Whenever I don't serve her or my kids, I get, in, I get into conflict. Whenever I upset my wife, if I, I know how to make my wife happy. It's really simple. Do the dishes. If I did nothing else in life, but if I kept that kitchen clean, always clean, never a dirty dish, she'd be a happy wife. But you know what? I'm lazy. I'm selfish. 
And sometimes, like this morning, I saw her doing the dishes. And I was glad because I didn't have to do it. But you know what that also? That laziness. That it was all about me and I didn't want to do it. I didn't put her above myself. Humility. That'll create a small wedge in our relationship. And it will be conflict because pride ruled over my decision. So odds are where there's conflict, there's pride. So check that out. Look at your relationships and examine to see if you have any pride. And if you do, try to deal with it. And I guarantee you that your relationship will get better. So that's the first habit. We have three more to go. So work on that this week. And next week, we'll look at the next three. So I hope that encourages you today. And God bless. And I'll see you in the next pod.